stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, you just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself Where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Mission is change that unlocks new value. And this is from Jamie Nodder. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice. Right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte Gia and today's show is all about the gift of innovation. And I'm Jovan Hundle. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive, media, positive message media. It's always a season for giving, so give big. Right. Since today's theme is the gift of innovation, I thought we'd just have a discussion about innovation really in our daily lives and talk about what role uh, innovation really plays uh, for the two of us. So, Joven, uh, what innovative or creative activities do you engage in on a daily basis? Well, so before I get into that, I think it's interesting to note that, you know, since we have the Internet and cell phones and things like that that are so widespread these days, it's really easy to, you know, access info and stuff like that online. And so something that I've noticed is that there's a study out there for literally everything. So no matter what you want to research, there's a study on there out for something. So how you asked about any sort of innovative activities that I engage with. So I remember when I started high school two years ago, I was thinking that, you know, I'm really going to be needing to study for my classes. Uh, Possibly the ways I've been studying in the past aren't going to work because, you know, these are high-level high school classes and such. So I started looking into, you know, some studying tips online. And there's all sorts of studies for everything like this. So, you know, they might talk about how you can color code your notes or organize them in specific ways that you can tailor to your own learning style and make you study more, for instance. So just little things like that, you know, studying tips or maybe even organizing tips or cleaning tips or just stuff like that. It's really great that you can just look online for some sort of innovative uh, activity or uh, useful tip for that. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think one of my favorites is the new bullet journal trend that's been going around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great way to, yeah, it really, I feel like it's a great organizational tool for, you know, when you go into high school or when you're starting maybe a new career, uh, you want to outline your goals, you want to outline your daily schedule, monthly schedule, even your yearly schedule. And the bullet journal is kind of like a way to do that, right? And I love how it's exploded really as a source of innovation because it's kind of a customizable thing. There's different types of bullet journals that you can pick according to what you're feeling or how you most want to help yourself um, 
go farther. And what's really cool about it is the bullet journal is a tool for innovation. Like you could set your goals and set what you want to create and write it down in this little bullet journal. And it's also like an innovation within itself because it's this little journal where you can kind of unleash your creativity. You can organize it in different ways according to you want whatever you want to do. And you can go online and find whatever organizational thing you want to do. And, you know, it's cool that you brought up like studying and finding studying tips online um, because I learned recently that there's a side of that one social media website, Tumblr, um, called Study Blur, where it's kind of like a little congregation of just people taking pictures of their like new and innovative ways to take notes in class and um, ways to study and all of that sort of thing. And you can find like ways to help your sleep schedule, ways to relax before, you know, uh, exams. And yeah, definitely. I think the internet is a big part of kind of helping that little those tips grow and uh, spread to more people. And it's pretty cool how there are so many different, you know, innovative ways to study where I saw one thing where it's like, if you, if you study for, or if you do work for 25 minutes and you set a timer, you do it for 25 minutes and then you set a five minute rest after those 25 minutes and then you keep working for another 25 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. Then apparently that like really stimulates your brain and uh, makes it so that you have a refreshed, more focused mind. And I just learned that on the internet. And I was like, wow, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so also even how you were saying, um, you know, like that, I forgot the name of the bullet notebook uh, tip you were talking about, but it's just so neat that um, further going off this sort of internet topic, and, you know, we have crowdfunding sites now. So anybody who, you know, develops any sort of like tangible, innovative idea, they can put this on a crowdfunding site. And if they get enough money, then maybe they can spread this to other people and increase innovation in their lives as well. And so uh, what about you then? What are any sort of innovative or creative activities that you engage with? I think uh, for me personally, I I do a lot of art in my free time, and then I do really, really like bullet journaling and kind of the aesthetic <laughs> that comes along with it. So I do a lot of that, and it's kind of cute to put, put together your own personalized journal, and I find that as kind of like a creative outlet. And then I also do really like writing, so I do that to kind of express my feelings and put myself out there. And what's really cool also, circling back to our internet topic, um, with the internet being a source of innovation, uh, I can post a lot of my work online and I can now reach online magazines or like internet-centered yeah, magazines yeah. that will, yeah, they'll, they'll publish your work, they'll review it, they'll give you some tips, and they'll, yeah, they'll publish it. Or they'll tell you, hey, you want to fix this and this part. And you can you can get a lot of review for your own innovations. And you can get your innovations out there with the internet. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, what about you, Jobin? Um, what kind of, what innovative activities do you really engage in on a daily basis other than the internet? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a good question. So there's obviously... You know, the famous innovations out there, whether it's cell phones or just electronics in general, or you have the light bulb, you have telephones, just anything like that. And it was really interesting to delve into these topics because, you know, seeing as stuff like this is so innovative, you can obviously imagine that at the time that some of these inventions first came out, you know, people don't know anything about this you know for example mm-hmm. with the telephone all you would do is use the tele you would use telegrams in decades past or even you know just snail mail and so uh, 
just stuff like that. It's really interesting to just kind of reflect on how groundbreaking some of these innovations are. You know, we take light bulbs, we take phones, we take technology, we take all that so much for granted now. But if you honestly think about how, you know, past generations lived, you know, instead of cars, you might have horse-drawn carriages or, you know, the like. And so... (laughs) It's just really interesting to see how groundbreaking that is. And, you know, it makes me exciting, excited for what other groundbreaking um, innovations will come out in coming decades. Yeah, exactly. I definitely think, uh, especially with cell phones, and like that was, that was just in like the past 10 years or so, we've had cell phones and new, like the super thin laptops. And with, yeah, it was, I'm actually, um, right now, I have a laptop next to me that's like very, very thin. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this tiny little thing. And it's not even it's not even the most recent generation, right? Like if you see the MacBooks that are out right now, they're they're literally 0.5 inches. They're tiny. They're these thin little things. And um, my family has a giant laptop that came out maybe like seven, eight years ago, and that thing is like two inches thick. You know, it's it's huge. It's really bulky. And that was like the top of the line laptop back then. And it's so cool to just really see how things have progressed and how new innovations have really made it so that the world today is very, very different from the world that we saw 10 years ago. I think that's definitely really cool. And I think what's also really interesting, yeah, right? It's like, whoa, bam. (laughs) But what's, I think, I feel like what's really interesting about like, you know, the way humanity interacts, the way humanity interacts with innovation, but like um, uh, the way we humans kind of um, engage in innovation, uh, I think it's cool that we'll usually have these rises in, you know, periods of innovation, like industrial revolution, and then we have the new technological age, where you've got these giant bumps, where maybe one, one or two certain innovations trigger a line of new creative inventions, new ways of doing things that will make um, our quality of life better. And I think that's really cool, you know, that one thing can kind of, or maybe a, a couple of innovations can really spark a huge bump uh, in innovation, like in an entire era of innovation, and then we yeah. see, end up seeing, you know, these ups and downs. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm glad you actually brought that up. That is a very important point. You know, like uh, success breeds more success. And so I was actually reading the other day about how some scientists consider us right now to be in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution with um, new developments in fields like artificial intelligence or self-driving cars or 3D printing, or any, or virtual reality, or anything like that, that, you know, could be um, coming out, or developing even further in the years to come. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's so much potential, and virtual, speaking of virtual reality, I have a friend who's really into VR, he's, um, he started maybe a few years ago, and I remember uh, maybe two, three years ago, he was really into the Oculus Rift, and that was the big thing, you know, you saw like big YouTubers, big gaming YouTubers going using the Oculus Rift. And I used to watch a lot of those. I was like, whoa, <laughs> virtual reality. This is really cool. And I remember my friend getting so excited. He saved up for the Oculus Rift. It was like $300. He bought it. And, you know, I talked to him now. It's been two, three years. And he's like, yeah, that's old technology. I'm not excited for that anymore. I have a new <laughs> thing. I think he's got the he's got the vibe or something. I, it's oh, yeah. really, yeah. And now he's excited about that. He's like, it's so much better. The quality is just amazing. <laughs> and I was like, all right, whoa. Like, yeah, it, just, it and- just went so fast. 
Yeah, definitely. And continuing, you know, kind of on that virtual reality thing. And so as these developments become more and more widespread, then you can get like cheaper versions that, you know, can be distributed far more. There's the Google Cardboard that literally only costs about 15 bucks, I believe. You can get some sort of similar experience or anything like that. And it's just interesting how widespread these innovations can become after, you know, only coming out just a little while ago. How you were saying cell phones um, you know, only came out in the past decade or two, and now everybody has them. Yeah, like every single person, <laughs> or like not every single person, but a lot of a lot of people in the first world countries, <laughs> which is, you know, it is. Um, you gotta, I guess, we gotta really look at the way technology and innovation can help. Um, you know, developing countries work as well, and you know, increase the quality of life of people mm-hmm. in those countries where like GMOs are kind of a controversial topic right now but one thing about GMOs is they can really you know you can grow a lot of food faster and it, it'll be more disease free it'll be less prone to like crop failure yeah, yeah. which means you can feed a lot of people which I thought was really 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 cool <laughs> uh, that technology and innovation is helping people in that aspect as well and so uh, thank you, Jovan, so much for this great conversation. It was great to, you know, talk about innovation. Love the information that you got. It really made the segment more interesting. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that is all the time we have. Uh, audience, support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. For more information on how to do this, go to www.bethestarur.org and follow our blog. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Joven Hundel. More information is at our website, www.bethestarur.org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our discussion about innovation. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Back to our uplifting, inspiring program. I'm Brigitte and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. For this segment, we are discussing the gift of innovation. And I'm Joven Hundle. Today, we have veteran reporter Chelsea Pocha with her segment, Past Present. Take it away, Chelsea. Hey guys, it's Chelsea, and I'm so glad to be back this week with another addition to my segment, Past Present. And... And today I will be talking about the gifts of innovation and how it relates to the way that the course of our history has taken place. It's hard to imagine the world today without the newest iPhone models and everyone's back pockets and the ability to Google any question with millions of results popping up in a matter of milliseconds. If you miss your friend, you take a few seconds to shoot them a quick text. 
need to write something down, here's a pen and paper. Go knock yourself out. And if you take a look at everything around you, like the chair that you're sitting on, the toaster that you used earlier this morning for your bagel, the fork and spoon you used last night at dinner, and the cups you drink water out of, these are all the products of thousands of years of, of evolving technology. Some are invented as a basic necessity, others to provide our civilization with a more luxurious and accommodating lifestyle. And if you think back to the hunter-gatherers, that chair might have been just a slab of stone, and the toaster was simply a bonfire, and the utensils may have been just some sticks that were of a useful length. The point is, as time goes on, we've seen that mankind has continuously proven innovation to be the epitome of human survival. So, in this segment, we'll be looking at a few of the most important inventions and the way that it's changed the course of our history. First, we'll start off by talking about the advent of steam engines and, and railroads, which basically is what kickstarted the Industrial Revolution back in the 18th century. The steam engine was first invented by Thomas Newcomen in 1712, building on other previous inventors' ideas, such as James Watt and Thomas Savery. It, it significantly reduced the cost and uncertainty of shipping freight over land, as well as having some pretty big economic consequences. Previously, markets were small and local, but as the barrier of high transportation was lowered, markets became larger and even nationwide. More people could reside in the countryside whilst also going to the cities for work. And this in turn improved the labor force. It also set the stage for later innovations such as the internal combustion engines and jet turbines, which ultimately gave to the rise of cars and aircraft during the 20th century. Another invention that I'm pretty sure that almost every team would agree on its importance is the telegraph. So without the telegraph and the other inventions following suit, we would probably still have to go through the trouble of coming to your friend's house to tell them something rather than shooting them just a quick text. I mean, it's a, it's a great way to get those daily 10,000 steps in, but surely sending a text with a few taps is probably a much preferable method to many. Um, so the telegraph was actually the very first in a chain of technology focused on improving communication between two parties. This device used Morse code to convey messages by stopping the flow of electricity along communication wires. The ability to quickly relay pieces of information across great distances made a huge impact on international trade, banking, warfare, and news media, forming the foundation of the information, of the information age. Um, now, before we end the segment today, I want you to keep in mind that innovation isn't just limited to groundbreaking inventions, such as the ones that we listed above. In fact, you were probably innovative just as well today. Was your coffee or your tea a little too hot? You, you probably went and got ice cubes because you were too impatient to wait for it to cool down. And when you were watching Netflix on your laptop as you were laying down on your side... Did you turn your laptop sideways too for the sole purpose of comfort and pure laziness? I mean, admit, I mean, we, we can all admit it. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we're all guilty of doing that. And let's say that you were trying to paint a tree, um, but you just ran out of green paint. Your first instinct would probably be to go look for blue and yellow paint instead so you could create the color that you were missing. See, these are all examples how, of how 
every single one of us are capable of coming up with solutions to our daily problems, whether it be for practicality or comfort. It's part of who we are, and as problem-solving human beings, to naturally look for simple steps to help us improve our lives and strive for a better future. Wow, Chelsea, that was that was a great segment. I, I loved that part at the end where it's like, yo, you know, like you don't necessarily have to be a brilliant person to come up with all these innovations. You can do it in your daily life. And, you know, it's funny because I, I saw a quote once where it was like, uh, or I watched a video on YouTube where it was like, you know, innovation comes sometimes from laziness where if you don't want to walk a long distance, invent the car and just take it along for a ride and you'll be great. And so, uh, Chelsea, you mentioned that innovation is basically embedded into us as a part of who we are and part of our collective effort to really create a better future. So just out of curiosity, uh, what potential inventions have you or your peers thought of when discussing this matter? Well, Towards the end of the school year, my English class had just finished reading the, the book Brave New World by Huxley, where it basically oh. describes, I know it's a really good book, yeah. uh, where it describes a utopian society, which was founded on the principles of community, identity, and stability. And so going off of that, uh, my teacher made it part of our final to basically create a presentation about a utopian society that we've envisioned. And... So we all, had to, we all had to present it to the class, just like our ideas of, you know, inventions that would make our society that much better. And um, I just found it really fascinating just listening to everyone talk about the idealistic innovations. And like, for example, one person came up with the idea of basically it would, it would basically eliminate the possibility of a car crash by like you would make the exterior of the car and they thought maybe like a thick coat of paint if it was strong enough or just like the metal um, used to create the outside of the car magnetic. And like in theory it would work because every car created would have the same charge. And so like by the basic principle of like likes repel, like if it's positive and positive, it's going to repel, like it's never going to touch. If the cars came within close contact with each other, they would instantly like spring back and repel. And so that would prevent car crashes in the future but like this would be basically only suited for like a utopian society because there's always going to be flaws in you know this idea and so that's why it wouldn't necessarily work but I just thought that was a really cool idea um to address like a pretty deadly matter in our society today and then another idea that came up was it was addressing the problem of like the spread of disease and vaccination and so, like today, it's actually pretty controversial, um, like whether or not we should force people who refuse to get vaccinated because of certain personal reasons, like religious or dietary reasons. Like there are animal products in um, the shots, and just you know, some people just are against it in general, um, not just simply because they're vegetarian or vegan. Um, and like on top of that, like some people simply don't have access access to it because of their income or like their location you know if you're living in a rural area it's hard to get access to a hospital you know just all those problems and it makes it so that there's always going to be like a small population of people that are susceptible to like the out to the ongoing disease like you know ebola a couple years ago like the swine flu that that, um makes like a recurring appearance every so every so couple of years like during the fall and um 
like the fact that they're not vaccinated it's endangering like the the public health safety of the majority of um of our society because i mean if they're susceptible susceptible <laughs> and um that will, will basically like if they catch it early on then it might create like an epidemic and so the the reason why they created this invention was um to address that and basically they said that if you replace vaccines with the ability to just put it in um in the water supply because you know human beings like you can't go more than a couple hours without drinking water it would be like an easy and simple way for the government to just um address the issue quickly and quietly without having like a widespread widespread panic and it's like a method that's going to make it so that it will reach every single person in this country because you know you all need water and in order to live you're probably going to come into contact so they're going to put like the vaccines or like the products of the vaccines in the water supply and like in general it was going to it was going to help like reduce the hospital overcrowding and it would just make it really easy for a government to control the outbreak of anything that happens and and, um another invention that i thought was pretty cool wait yeah sorry Oh, sorry. Sorry. I was just going to mention that um, it ties into what you were talking earlier about Brave New World, where, like, I think that's where they, they like, modified each of the, you know, each of the embryos and stuff, right? To, like, not be susceptible to diseases. And, like, you had, like, alpha and beta. yeah. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing where, like... The government went in and like removed. So there, there is that like weird little link where definitely you know the solution would probably be better for us. But then, wow, it kind of does link into Brave New World though. I don't know. I just thought of the connection between those two aspects. Whew. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was just kind of like, whoa, that connects to Brave New World. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they, they probably got it from the book too. You know, because like. It was a project based off the book. And so, I mean, you probably extracted a little bit of the ideas from there. Um, But another idea that someone came up with uh, was basically, like, you you would replace your keys by fingerprints. You know, like, house keys always get lost and you get locked out. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I've I've had experiences where I I would lose my house key and I'd be sitting outside, like, on the front porch for, like, hours at times, like, six hours. (laughs) <laughs> just like waiting for my parents to come home um and so definitely replacing keys with your fingerprints like same with car keys you know like if you just put your hand like on um the door handle of the car and if it recognized your fingerprint it would open for you that was a pretty clever thing because it would help with like the break-ins you know and also like if you put your fingerprints like on the steering wheel unless it's your fingerprint and unless it's the Unless they recognize the person that's gripping the steering wheel, the car won't start. And so you can't really hijack it. Like, that's, I don't know. I just, I was like, wow. wow. <laughs> like, our generation, if we had the resources and, like, the idealistic conditions, we could really implement huge changes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm really glad, you know, that your teacher would give you an assignment like that. Because, you know, how you're saying that if we have the resources, innovation can really start at any level. And so... Uh, We were talking earlier about new innovations in the coming years, such as artificial intelligence or virtual reality or self-driving cars or anything like that. So, you know, are there any other potential new innovations that have been on your radar recently? 
Um, like the anything that I've been thinking about, or just or, like yeah, yeah, just anything you found interesting. Um. Okay. So I was reading an article about self-driving cars, and actually, those are definitely coming into our society. Um, and like they're they're testing them out right now. And I mean, there was a there was like a liability issue because it's. I mean, we debated in our public speaking class. It's like, should the person, because it wasn't, there was a car accident involving a self-driving car, something about like, it was the, I mean, like in theory, it should go around because there's sensors and there's a lot of like high tech things that would prevent the car from crashing. But the thing is like the person was like watching Harry Potter, you know, because <laughs> the, the car can drive itself. But then like a tractor crashed into it because it was really misty. It was really foggy. It was um, just not like ideal driving conditions. And that sparked like a liability issue. Like, should it be the driver's fault or because it is like a self-driving car and a lot of that stuff. And it's like deterring the fact that self-driving cars are trying to like make a break in into our society. But once we get over that and once we, um, I guess, come to a consensus and um, like the technology advances just a little bit more to create um, a little bit more um, I guess it's like safer driving conditions. Um, I think that definitely just self-driving cars are um, like they're going to be a reality in our daily lives like pretty soon. And also I think it's the same thing with like Teslas. Like a couple of years back, like everyone was talking, oh, Teslas are, are the new thing, you know, and there'd only be like one or two. But like um, I've been seeing maybe three or four like at a time. I was, I was just getting coffee like the other day and just three of them drove by me like at once like in a row and I mean I that's probably like a it's it's a sign of you know how like technology is definitely evolving and um Tesla is like making their cars so that um it's like appealing to the general public and I guess they're trying to revolutionize the nature of car industry yeah Yeah, definitely I think um I think you know like Self-driving cars and the like, especially, I think, for, you know, in the next couple months, they might not come out, but definitely they're, they're going to be a reality soon. And I think, I think again, we need a little bit more development on that. You know, as you mentioned, it's a foggy day, not ideal driving conditions, but hey, they might be as common as like Tesla's soon. <laughs> you saw three or four during your coffee break, I guess. And, you know, that's that's the interesting thing about like new technology is, you know, there's a lot of debate over them. There's going to be a lot of controversy. Uh, usually when you have innovations out in the public, there's always going to be a lot of controversy just because I think we as humans kind of have a little bit of an innate uh, reaction to the unknown. But uh, ultimately, I think it's for the better. And yeah, we've had debates about like GMOs especially has been a big topic where there's a lot of different, you know, oh, have they been tested? Are they safe? But also they could feed a lot of people. And so I think the safest thing for us to do right now is to probably just um, you know, test them out, more trials, more trials, make sure that they're safe. And eventually they'll definitely, you know, a lot of innovations will make their breakthrough to the general public. That's pretty cool. And so um, just going back to how you were talking about innovation in our daily lives, Chelsea, are there any that you partake in that you'd like to share? Um, I'm actually kind of guilty of being lazy and 
not wanting to do the dishes. And so I actually saw this thing on Instagram <laughs> where if you put like saran wrap on your plate and then you put the food on top and you don't have to clean the dishes because, you know, like it's, <laughs> you just throw away the wrap and you're good. And so um, I tried that last night and, you know, it, it saved me some time, definitely. And another thing, like like you said, Bridget. I mean, Brigitte. Sorry. Um, like laziness definitely is the (laughs) thing that pushes innovation. And like sometimes in the nicest way, maybe like efficiency. You know, you want efficiency. You're not lazy. You just want efficiency. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like you know, um, sometimes you know when you're too tired to like hold your head up to watch Netflix. You just want to lay down and just flip your lap <laughs> up to the side. I mean, I've seen people do it like with their TVs too, just like flip the TV to the side. And um, I mean, like, I, I've done the laptop trick, but definitely not TVs yet. And then another thing, like if I'm studying and I want to like hold my textbook up so I can, um, so I can take notes easily without having to like, you know, like peer and just like reach out and like, like look at my textbook that's like halfway across my desk and just have it propped up I definitely would create like a little um I don't know I'd, I'd use like a bunch of I use like a lamp I'd use like some water bottles fill up with water I'd use some um I use my brother's teddy bear it actually was really helpful <laughs> <laughs> just like little prop it up like that um just to yeah yeah just stuff to help you like reach whatever you're trying to do and another thing I remember um, like instead of like instead of just using an alarm, I think my brother might have created like a little um, machine that or this little like chain reaction thing that like dumps water on his head like that would wake him up at the <laughs> amazing <laughs> you want to see yeah, yeah, so definitely stuff like that just you know in your everyday life. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, what you said earlier about how everybody can really be an innovator, I think that's, that's a pretty powerful message. You know, everybody can do these sort of things when they're, when they're kind of tired, you know, you don't want to hold your head up during Netflix, you just prop your laptop and there you go. And yeah, when I'm studying, you know, I, I, did, I did buy like a little book hanger thing to kind of hold it up. But yeah, you use books, you use lamps, you use your brother's teddy bear, <laughs> stack everything on top of each other. And yeah, I think that's a great message. Anyone can be an innovator. And so thank you, Chelsea, so much for this great conversation. Love the information that you've got. It was really, really interesting. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, audience, please visit our radio site at Express Yourself Teen radio.com for photos descriptions links blogs and more we'll be continuing our conversation so stay tuned i'm brigitte Gia. and i'm joven hundle please visit our charity site at be the star you are.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are stay right here as we continue our fascinating discussion on the gift of innovation Show the world your smile, be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. 
on Tuesdays at noon Pacific. Teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Joven Hundle. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this segment of Express Yourself, we're continuing our fascinating conversation on the gift of innovation. And I'm Brigitte Chia. Today, I'll be going over the link between innovation and art in my segment, uh, Art Attack. It's been a while. I'm back on the rodeo with Art Attack. I'm very excited. And so I thought I'd just talk about, first of all, innovation in relation to different periods of art, as that is kind of the most tangible way that we can see innovation within art as a whole, uh, just by looking at art history and really the timeline that different periods of art have kind of taken. And so we can see that um, most people really relate innovation uh, to art when they look at the cubism and surrealism movements, just because uh, we have this concept of art as uh, two kind of separate movements where you have realistic art and then more abstract art, and people tend to see abstract art as a real big innovation uh, that came later on, maybe in the 19th, 20th centuries. And so we see cubism and surrealism as being uh, the more well-known representations of abstract art and innovation uh, from one type of art, kind of, quote, quote, to the other. And so we see that cubism, surrealism were kind of new takes on expression, uh, expression within art and using art to express one's feelings. And the two are really kind of more based on emotions and more inspired by geometric shapes than like more traditional, per se, art. And we see a focus on the color's ability to convey feelings and messages um, less than the subject uh, matter. And so we see, for example, Picasso's The Dream, where he depicts his lover, actually, um, in a sort of uh, peach palette, where her figure, Picasso's figure, uh, Picasso's lover's figure, isn't really outlined within the art, but... It's more that he uses shapes and colors to express his feelings for her, how he sees her as she's sitting in this chair in the painting, The Dream. And so I thought that was really cool. I thought that was kind of an innovative way to depict a figure where you depict the figure not as you see it, but more as how it makes you feel. Um, And you try to convey that message to your audience through art. And so... A lot of people assume that Picasso only painted, you know, cubism, only painted in the cubist style. And a lot of people say, or I hear pretty often that um, Picasso is not a good artist because he only painted in these geometric shapes and he only did this because he didn't know how to paint realistically, which is absolutely not true. If you go online and you search like Picasso, you know, in his youth or works 
uh, Picasso's works in his youth. You, you can see that Picasso was really, really good at painting realistically. And he painted a lot of subjects realistically. He painted a lot of portraits. And he painted a lot of self-portraits that are really absolutely amazing. But when he was really delving into Cubism, surrealism, he took his feelings and his emotions and put them into his art instead of drawing or painting whatever was in front of him, which really gave his art sort of a deeper meaning. Really, like if you take Guernica, for example, he's depicting the bombing of a small town in Spain with his, with his painting, and it's a giant painting. It's blue. It's obviously not how the actual scene looked, but if you look at the painting, it really inspires a lot of emotions within you and it's got this palette that's just very gloomy very dark very very shadowy and frightening really and it probably inspires more of a dark somber feeling within the audience than would you know just a realistic painting depicting the actual explosions you know and so we see that Picasso uses this innovative style to really show the audience what he's feeling through his paintings. And it's kind of a more effective way of conveying his feelings through painting than if he simply painted what was in front of him. We see this also happening in Salvador's Dali's The Persistence of Memory and The Elephants and other paintings like it, where, again, Dali really paints not what's in front of him, but what he's feeling you know it's that it's that core message of conveying what you're experiencing emotionally instead of painting what's in front of you that really is the innovation here where cubism surrealism all, all these abstract methods of painting decided to veer away from traditionally painting what's in front of you and instead these artists would paint what they were experiencing at the time or what they were thinking, really, and just put their ideas out on the canvas. And so a lot of people think, or they say even, oh, abstract art isn't art, but that's absolutely not true. It's just an innovative way of really throwing your emotions out onto the canvas instead of painting what's in front of you. Again, painting what's in front of you is not necessarily bad, right? It's also... It can also be very innovative, and we'll see that with Impressionism, for example, which was a way of seeing what was in front of you and then painting the way the lights and darks kind of hit your subject. But abstract art and the abstract way, any abstract way of painting is definitely an innovation on traditional painting because you really put your feelings out there instead of painting what's in front of you. And we see that... Uh, a lot of realist art as well, you know, is definitely also innovative. We can't throw those away just because we're focusing on abstract art. If you take the Renaissance, for example, a lot of people know the Renaissance as a renewal, as a fresh new time period um, within art history. And we see that that's, you know, that's got a foundation. That belief has really got a basis here where you'll see a lot of different techniques that were invented during the Renaissance. If you take a look at um, medieval paintings, there's a lack of perspective, a lack of realism. And so the traditional realist painting uh, style that I was talking about earlier um, might be credited, uh, might be, you know, the creation of that might be credited to the Renaissance or to artists within the time period. And you see the, the appearance of 
drawing and painting and depicting lights and darks really appearing during the Renaissance with uh, chiaroscuro. Am I saying that right? Chiaroscuro. Sorry for my pronunciation. Um, but, you know, now it's a, quite a common drawing technique where you're depicting lights and darks. But it originated during the Renaissance, and it was an innovation back then, and it's an innovation that we're still using within art today. Perspective was also a major Renaissance innovation. Really, a lot of artists in the Middle Ages um, did not paint with perspective. They did not create uh, figures that were that looked as you saw them. You know, if you saw a figure in the distance and you were painting it or, you know, making your mosaic of it, uh, during the Middle Ages, it would have been kind of flat. And, of course, they worked with a lot of religious imagery, which did not um, have a basis in what they saw. It was more a way of honoring figures that uh, were religiously significant to them. And we didn't see a lot of use of perspective. But during the Renaissance, there was a lot of use of this new concept in when people were trying to depict different subjects. And you see a lot of portraits from the Renaissance. You see a lot of different scenes, even you know religious scenes, uh, classical scenes, where there is a lot of use of perspective. And it's wonderful. It's a new innovation that a lot of Renaissance artists picked up and developed. And now we see it as a commonplace technique um, within the art world. And you know, during the Renaissance, there was also a renewed interest in classical subjects, uh, drifting a little bit away from uh, Christian religious um, subjects and more into, you know, mythology depicting Greek and Roman figures, which was also kind of maybe like a re-innovation more than an innovation, um, because we've seen depictions of that before, but it was definitely a cool thing to see. And so moving on to another kind of realist delving into maybe a little abstract um, of a theme or of a period in art history. Uh, if we move on to Impressionism, that's regarded today, since we have a lot of abstract today, regarded today as a kind of more realistic way of painting. And it definitely is. You're painting from life. You're painting commonplace subjects um, when you look at Impressionist artists. And they painted while depicting or they depicted lights and darks in a more nuanced, less realistic way. But it was definitely an innovative way of painting, of creating art. And it was actually frowned upon um, by traditional artists who regarded it as a really abstract concept. Because in Impressionism, uh, or in the Impressionist style, you're painting blurrier figures, you're painting or depicting softer, more imperfect shapes, and you're reflecting the way the light hits the subject. Um, there was a great use of impasto, uh, impasto painting, where people or like artists would use these rough strokes to depict their figures uh, and to depict the way the light and the darks hit their figures. And it wasn't really com a commonplace technique and it wasn't accepted by a lot of the older generations of artists who regarded it as a sort of rogue way of painting, as a sort of not respectable way of depicting a subject. You know, you wanted to show off the perfection in your subject when you were painting. You didn't want to show off the way the lights and darks hit it. That was that was a new concept. That was an innovation that came with Impressionism. And a lot of people regarded it, or Impressionism as a whole, um, in the same way that a lot of people today regard abstract art. We see a lot of people going, oh, abstract art, you know, give me a crayon, I could do the same thing. But realistically, or in reality, 
that's absolutely not true um, of either painting technique. You know, there's a lot of thought that goes into abstract paintings. There's a lot of thought that went into impressionist paintings that it was never really recognized. So that's just what I thought about innovations within art and, you know, within the art timeline. And I thought it's really neat that we see a lot of that happening when we look back at art history. Yeah, and so I'm definitely so glad that you brought your, you know, Art Attack segment back for this show particularly, because, you know, art and innovation, they really go hand in hand. And so uh, thank you so much for this wonderful segment. Even though I personally do not know much about art, it was definitely very informative. Uh, and it taught me a lot of different things myself. Unfortunately, we are out of time. During the break, be sure to check out our charity site at bethestarur.org, a 501c3 literacy and positive media charity. More info is under events at our website at, again, www.bethestarur.org. I'm Jovan Hundle. And I'm Brigitte Gia. Please visit expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. When we come back, we will continue our inspiring conversation on the gift of innovation. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, and I'm Joven Hundle. And today's hour is about the gift of innovation. And I'm Brigitte Gia. In this segment, Joven is back with his uh, ongoing segment, World Watch. Take it away, Joven. Thanks, Brigitte. Now, for this innovation-themed edition of my segment, World Watch, I wanted to talk about innovation in the broader context of our education system. And, you know, it's been well documented that our public schools don't necessarily teach students to, you know, stretch their mind and explore intellectualism to the fullest of their capabilities. That is certainly not to say that they can't produce innovative students, but it's clear that public schools don't put a focus on that. Rather, we have rigorously structured curriculums with teachers being forced to teach to the test, so to speak. And this phrase that I'm sure many of you have heard of definitely seems to be true for schools around my area. Whether it's an AP, IB, or honors class, or even just a normal class, it seems that both students and teachers don't have much leeway to explore the subject. They're forced to prepare for huge standardized tests at the end of the year, which would leave little time for them to actually learn much else about the subject. And now, to an extent, this does make sense. Having a defined curriculum and a test to um, test that defined curriculum at the end of the year does ensure that teachers do teach what needs to be taught. 
In other words, a textbook and curriculum used in a class is carefully curated by experts to teach necessary info. However, a balance must be found. It's not enough that a student must just memorize words on a paper. They should actually be understanding what they're learning, as this could light off a spark for them that could even lead into them wanting to enter that field as an adult. And so how exactly can any changes be achieved in this system? There are plenty of private schools across the nation known as country day schools or Montessori schools. And these schools emphasize alternative education where content is still taught to students, but they have the freedom to stretch the limits of everything they are taught. There isn't any sort of one-size-fits-all approach to teaching students, as every kid is different. Some might be different types of learners, where they retain information differently. Some might be more reflective, as opposed to kids who might just want to keep trying at something. The fact that all kids are different shouldn't be an obstacle and shouldn't stop us. We should be embracing this and not trying to tailor our education system to fit a certain model of student that people in a boardroom come up with. Country Day and Montessori schools, from what I've seen, though I do not attend either one, seem to understand this. Most importantly, they also train their teachers to approach classes with this sort of mindset. The unfortunate part about this, however, is that these schools are private schools. They cost money, and furthermore, there are not too many of these schools around the nation, and they are a lot of times only centered in high-population areas. But there really is no concrete way on how we can solve this issue. However, that definitely doesn't mean hope is lost or anything of the sort. Rather, I am excited for Common Core. I know Common Core definitely does get a lot of hate, but I feel that um, some people just misunderstand it and just resist change for the sake of it, instead of actually learning about what Common Core is. And it's true that Common Core does have standardized tests and structured curriculums, but there was one thing that I learned about it that I felt was interesting. About 15 to 20 percent of the curriculum for particular classes can be edited in regions to suit those regions' particular needs. For example, in California's Central Valley, where I live, agriculture is our biggest industry by far. So something that could happen is that biology teachers in my area could decide that, hey, let's focus on GMOs or other topics more pertinent to farming in some of the time we have left to give my students a better understanding of what our county focuses on. And something like this would be totally allowable under Common Core. And so I'm hoping that Common Core will prove better than No Child Left Behind for increasing student creativity, especially with the big focus on elementary school. Uh, these are a child's formative years, and anything they learn at this time would stay with them for the rest of their um, schooling career, as well as the rest of their lives. And anyway, I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about innovation in relation to education, seeing as that is where all great innovators get their start. <laughs> where they form their foundation. Yeah, um, in terms of Common Core, I think it's, you know, I think it's definitely a great idea. And, you know, you want to be able to make sure that go by that same message, no child is left behind, but in a different, maybe better way. I think the thing with Common Core that I do have a little bit of an issue with is just that it doesn't really allow or like, in my in my specific area, it doesn't allow some of the kids who are maybe pushing ahead to actually go ahead and learn things, you know, at a faster speed and other mm -hmm. kids take it slower, which is a little bit of a kind of uh, for me, because um, although I'm past the stage myself where I'd be going into Common Core, going to be a senior next year, so it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, my sister, who's pretty bright, you know, she's really getting on and she's really pushing forth in maybe 
the math field especially, I feel like I'd like it if she were able to learn at a faster pace, which in the old system, there was a little bit of room for that. And so um, I definitely think that on the whole, Common Core is a great idea, but I do think there are places where it definitely could be improved. Um, yeah, and so uh, if I could just kind of, you know, step in here. Yeah, of course. That is a big thing. <laughs> so uh, that is how I was kind of talking earlier, that there really is no one-size-fits-all approach to teaching in general, whether you're using systems like No Child Left Behind, whether you're using Common Core, or whether you're going to a Montessori school, or anything like that. There really is no one-size-fits-all approach to teaching students, and that's why we do need to emphasize individuality and uh, you know, put students in the classes where they belong, regardless of age or grade or anything like that. And, you know, that is definitely something we should be focusing on. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it is, um, I think, I think what is a little upsetting, especially you mentioned like Montessori schools, you know, a lot of times people will not have access to that. Um, we do see a little more of that in like inner city areas as well, more densely populated cities where they don't have a lot of money to be put into education because of the tax exempt properties that are in cities, the percentage mm-hmm. of tax exempt properties. And so I feel like definitely, I think those are the two areas we really need to focus on is just um, focus on the individual, um, pushing kids um, to where they're comfortable learning and where they should be. And then really focusing on providing education and maybe Montessori school systems to more people and giving more opportunities, more options to others. And well, Jovan, thank you so much for this great conversation. Uh, that was a lot of great information. And we definitely learned a lot about innovation and education tied together. Sadly, it is time to say farewell. Uh, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Joven Handel. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and our main site at www.bethestaryouare.org. Until next week, keep on innovating and pushing boundaries, and remember, be kind and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself